0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft This is episode number 52. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as per usual, Ben Fisher. How's it going, dude? Uh, So I just wanted
1: to say... Despite the fact that it's episode 52, it is not the anniversary. We did finally conclude. We, we checked the calendars. We did the math. We crunched the numbers. Uh, episode 53 is the first one of the new year. So rather than having it on the last one of the first year, because then in 52 more episodes, it would be two weeks in. Uh, this is actually the last one of the first cycle of the year. So next episode, we'll start like the new cycle Thus next year. Wait, no. Next <laughs> episode will be our
0: first. Oh my god! the gosh. second year. You know, it would have been, been much easier to just say our first episode launched on June 26th of 2020, and so we're getting <laughs> this episode as close as possible to that.
1: Okay, well, yeah. Uh, we, clearly, uh, one of us uh, does tech stuff, one of us does physics stuff. I think we took two different approaches, and one was a little more straightforward than the other.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, so that said, this is not our anniversary episode. We are Giving you all our farewell to Strixhaven as a format, or format farewell for this set is today, and then uh, later this week we have our actual anniversary episode coming out due to me being sick. Hopefully it's not still coming in, uh, not noticeable through my audio, or not as noticeable, but uh, I've been suffering a bit of a head cold as of the last few days, and so we decided to postpone the recording of this episode and therefore its release. That said, you're getting two episodes this week, and we're going to go through our format farewell for Strixhaven, but before we do, we do have our usual uh, housekeeping to take care of. First up up is the Discord. Definitely check out the Discord if you haven't already, especially this week. We've got a lot of stuff coming up uh, announcements-wise and some various things that you're going to want to be aware of as soon as they happen, so definitely check out the Discord or pay attention to our Twitter page, preferably both, but... Uh, If you had to pick one or the other, definitely check out the Discord. link to that is in the episode description as well as on our Twitter page. And if you want to support the show, you can do so on Patreon via patreon.com forward slash pod. We have five different tiers over there, starting out at $2 a month and up to $10 a month. Of course, you can give as much as you want, and it really helps keep us do this day in and day out. And Well, we've been here a year, basically, and uh, we're still going strong. We have a lot of plans for the next upcoming year, so um, we couldn't do it without the the help of our patrons um, so if you're interested in joining that crew and being uh, a part of our our patron fan base definitely check out the patreon we're adding a lot to that as well in the upcoming year and we'll talk more about that next episode but uh, there's there's a lot more expansion going on there and we're always looking for feedback from our patrons patrons to see what we can do better in that in that area all right onto our cracker draft type thing this week ben walk us through it Right, so I've got a
1: Theros Beyond Death cracker pack here. Uh, this is a pack one, pick one. And it's, you know, it's currently up on, uh, on Quick Draft, so people are starting to fire them. We're seeing some in the Discord. I thought it'd be fun to take a look at uh, one that I actually had over this past week. Also, Dominaria is up right now. So between uh, Theros Beyond Death, Dominaria, and Strixhaven, there are so many good draft options. And I think the Arena Cube is even still up too, or maybe that's gone by now. I don't know. Uh, I think it actually, maybe that's what got replaced by Dom. Whatever, there's a ton of great options right now. So looking at our first card out of the pack here, we got a Voracious Typhon. This is great, actually pretty happy taking these things early. Uh, I'm just gonna kind of skim through these because people have mostly seen these cards before. Uh, that's the format of four, four, great in the red green decks. Next is Plummet, kills a creature with flying. Nyxbor and Brute, uh, that's the five mana, seven, three with no other text on it, but it is an enchantment creature, which is relevant for things in the set next is Aspect of Manticore, it's a little flash enchantment, it gives first strike, kind of mediocre, but uh, I can never seem to play around it correctly. I am always I always know they have it, and then I always play right into it, because I'm like, there's no way everybody puts this card in their deck, right? It's not that good. Next up, we've got Mogus's Favor, uh, which is a sweet little one-two punch with a lot of cards in the set, notably Hateful Eidolon and this thing, just machine guns down X1s. Uh, Funeral Rites, which is a black card draw spell. It's a little better than it has any right to be. Nyxborn Seaguard, Vanilla 2-5, no thanks. It is an enchantment creature. Nyxborn Courser, Vanilla 2-4, also an enchantment creature. These cards you can put in your decks when they have uh, enough enchantment payoffs. For example, Blue-Green Enchantress, you might play the Seaborn, uh, the, the Seaguard rather, if you need it. Uh, Nixborn Courser, I sometimes play in Mono White, which is a very fun deck to play uh here are the pride two mana two two with heroic stuff going on it's okay glory Bearer is another enchantment creature it's four mana three four uh buffs things toughness on attack it's mediocre uh out of these commons what are you taking a look at
0: yeah it's probably just the typhon for me none of the other cards are very exceptional uh, or exciting and typhon's been great in pretty much every deck you can put it in in this format
1: Mm-hmm. That one, of course, also has Escape from the Graveyard, which is kind of the big theme of the set, the whole Beyond Death part of Theros Beyond Death. Uh, and getting this as a 4-mana play and then later in the game a 7-mana play is just fantastic. But what if I upgrade you to an even better green 4-drop? We've got Renata called to the hunt as our, as our first uncommon here. And I happen to have the art that makes it look all cool and enchantment-y and spacey, so obviously it's just fantastic pickup here. I love Renata.
0: Yeah, yeah. Solid card. Honestly, all of the these like demigods that they added in Theros Beyond Death are, are pretty mm-hmm. solid. Uh, some are better than others, but Renata is one of the better ones, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I love all the demigods. They all do their thing really well. Um, I found this is a particularly fun uh, thing to build around in green-white if you can make a ton of tokens, because... Usually effects like this will say, like, each non-token creature enters the battlefield with an additional 1-1 counter on it. Renata doesn't care. Renata says each creature. So if you have a, uh, I don't know, the Flash enchantment that makes two 1-1s, or uh, if you have Siona, the green-white legend that makes 1-1s when you enchant creatures, you can really just pop off with Renata. Next up we've got another good green card. Uh, I don't know if it's better or not.
0: Chainweb Arachnir. What do you think? Yeah, Chainweb is solid. It's it's one of those types of cards that's good early, good late in that you can uh, escape it. I believe this is the escape one where where you can get it back with some counters on after the fact. So, yeah. it's a it's a pesky card for opponents to deal with most of the time. It deals with most flyers when it needs to, and otherwise it's like chumping and just coming back bigger and then it's like how do they block it after the fact? So, it's a solid card. I think it requires less build around than Renata does, so I might be inclined to take it first but it's definitely tough between the two
1: yeah Uh, one thing to consider with this set is that you don't want too many cards with escape so like you'll you'll usually be able to pick up some common ones if you have too many cards that escape you're really not getting value because some of them there's like the three mana four one with escape you would never really put a just vanilla three mana four one in a deck but if you have too many escape cards it's kind of what ends up being so i don't love taking too many of these and first picking one means that you're kind of Screwing yourself over if you pick up more later. I don't know. I'm still probably on Renata here, but Arachnir is a very good card.
0: Yeah, I would say and, in, in, uh, with that, as far as the escape creatures go, is probably one of the better ones in the green decks. So Yeah. I'm not super upset to have that drawback on the first pick. You could always abandon it if you find better ones, but uh I think it uses less build around or requires less build around than Renata does. So
1: Yeah, I'd agree. Uh, next up, we've got Lagona Band Storyteller, which is uh, the 4-mana 3-4. When it enters the battlefield, you can put an enchantment from your graveyard on top of your library uh, and then gain life equal to its mana value, which is a fun one if you can pick up an Elspeth Conqueror's Death, but you usually want to get those in the opposite order.
0: Yeah, eh, it's fine. I'm still on either the, the Arachne or, or Renata here.
1: Yeah, so I chose this crack draft type thing more as a teachable moment than anything else because our rare is... Uh, One of your favorites, Dream Trawler.
0: Yeah, snap uh, it up. uh, That's it. Why'd you even bother reading the rest of the pack?
1: (laughs) So uh, for those that might be new to Theros Beyond Death, if you see a Dream Trawler pack one, pick one. Usually you'd think like, well, it's a multicolored card. It has four colored mana pips. This thing looks kind of tough to cast. Just take the Dream Trawler. (laughs) Take it. Honestly, don't force blue-white. You know, don't like, if it's a terrible blue-white deck... If, if you like don't see a single blue or white card and you get past like a bunch of bombs and other colors, still draft correctly. But I will say even a a terrible blue white deck with just like what's the the turtle, Aegis turtle? It's like a two mana o five with flash. Mm-hmm. even like terrible blue cards like that end up being pretty good because they keep you alive until you top deck Dream Trawler and then just win the game with it. So yeah, to put it it it
0: into perspective, Dream Trawler is good enough to make Toralf Severin in the middle of a Pro Tour draft (laughs) pivot from Rakdos to a pack. What was it? Pack two pick one Dream Trawler. It's yeah, it might have been. It might have even been a pack three pick one. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it's a powerful card. It is
1: nuts. Uh, It is very, very difficult to lose when you happen to have one. Honestly, I, there's probably like two or three cards in the set that answered effectively, and I don't really remember what they are off the top of my head. So, uh, yeah, Dream trawler, great stuff.
0: For sure. All right, on to our Teferi Tibble. If you're new to the show, this is the section of the show where Ben and I share a high and a low from the past week, similar to something like Roses, of Thorn- Roses and Thorns. Generally not magic-related, but sometimes is. Uh, it's just kind of a way to give you, the listener, uh, a little bit of insight into... What's going on in our lives. So Ben, why don't you kick us off?
1: Yeah, sure. So my teferi for this week, I've had some fantastic drafts in the last, I guess, three days or so. Uh, And funnily enough, the fact that we had to push recording back, it opened up my Wednesday and I was like, well, now what do I do with all this free time? I usually set aside my Wednesday nights to to have our usual recording session. So I managed to fire some drafts. I also got some schoolwork done because, you know, you got to do that. Uh, But uh, I had probably the best deck I've ever had in, I, I want to say three different formats. Uh, like one of the, the strongest decks I've ever seen in my, f- like f- that I've drafted in that format uh, just in the last few days. So it started with um, a Theris Beyond, De- De- Theris Beyond Death deck. And it had, I want to say six Omen of the Forge. And Jeez. like three, uh like the Eroes's, whatever, Eroes's Blessing, I think the Forge drop one. It had an Ox of Agonis, uh, uh, it had Anax. It had everything. Uh, it, it felt unbeatable. I think I counted, and I had 21 points of direct to face burn damage in the deck, and it just yes. it, it couldn't lose. It was an easy seven. It was fun. Uh, the next one I had was in Dominaria. <laughs> I I trashed my first attempt at a dom draft. I went like uh, two and three uh, with like blue white f- flyers, <laughs> and it didn't work. <laughs> the best card in the deck uh, was uh, Time of Ice but I didn't really have anything to do with it, and I barely drew it. So, uh, you know, it happens. But the next time I did it, I had a disgusting red-blue Wizards deck that looked like something you would put together. Um, It was just Wizards, just tons of Wizards, everything that said Wizard. Uh, And again, just lots of multiples of of great commons and uncommons. Uh, Trophy with that one as well, another undefeated run. And then just this morning before, uh, before we recorded this, I played uh, one more one more strict draft just for old time's sake. And I figured, uh, well, I, I made it to mythic, I don't want to mess with my rank too much. I'll do the traditional, which I usually avoid because the prize payout sucks. Uh, so I happened to get kind of lucky. Somehow uh teamer was open. Like I don't know what everybody else in the pod was drafting, but I was I, I wheeled uh, decisive denial and I got it third to last uh, in the pack. So uh, it was open. And I put together this this beautiful uh, like triple Quandrix pledge mage mascot exhibition uh, double manifestation sage. There was like a, a phoenix in there somewhere. <laughs> it was it was a really fun one, and I I, uh, I went three zero with that. So uh, after kind of a while with no no really good like solid draft decks, I kind of hit a spike. So feels good to to hit that spike, but you gotta also know that. It's, it'll balance out eventually. I'm, I'm sure for the next week, I'll, I'll go O three 3 on everything I try. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> and uh, my tibble this week is that uh, it's kind of a chaos week. Uh, not only is it our anniversary week, uh, but I ha- it's my last week of school. So I have, I was telling you before the show, I have a notes section. And I have just written down every single thing that's happening uh, over my next week. and Because I, otherwise, I wouldn't be able to keep track of it at all. I have like at least a thing or two to do every day. And honestly, before the pandemic, doing a thing or two in addition to work every day isn't that big a deal, like a, a, an event or like a, a school thing or a graduation ceremony or something like that. But now doing a, a thing every day, like, I struggle to like get off my butt and go do laundry sometimes. Like, <laughs> So uh, it'll be a chaotic week, but I wouldn't call it too much of a tibble. It is the anniversary week. You know, some chaos can be good, especially because it's, it's tibble. You know, he's a fan of chaos.
0: Yeah, especially in EDH. Uh, yeah, yeah, for me, um, I did get back from an awesome time camping. I was telling Ben before the show it was a bit of a weird campsite that we were at. We went down to Virginia. There were like these hosts that stayed on the campsite and were basically just volunteer campers. Like they they stayed they could camp for free and they camped all summer, but they were kind of in charge of running the place. And we got yelled at a couple times for being too loud after quiet hours. The first time we got yelled at was. Literally twelve minutes after quiet hour started, and we were talking amidst a torrential downpour under a tarp, and somehow people complained even though we couldn't hear ourselves <laughs> over the rain. So I don't know. It was one of those situations where it was like we were trying to just have fun on vacation, and and sort of that sort of dampened the mood. We also got rained on twice, which wasn't fun. And when I say rain, I mean like torrential downpour. It was not not a fun time. Uh, but otherwise, I'm
1: picturing, I'm picturing someone like coming like is unzipping your tent a little and like shouting in like, Hey,
0: you're being too loud.
1: Like (laughs) Yeah. It was, it was actually, it
0: was pretty passive aggressive. They gave us like, they came up to us the one time. And again, this was like 12 minutes after it was, it was 12 minutes after quiet hours. It was the first night we were there and it was raining very, very heavily. And the guy came up to us and he was just like, we're getting, I got a call on the radio that you're being a little too loud. If I'm going to, if I have to come back here, I'm going to have to ask you to leave. I was like, what we get we get one warning that's it like that's absurd plus like what's the point
1: of going into the wilderness like that that's where you're supposed to be able to be slightly louder than normal yeah i don't know
0: but it ended up being okay it wasn't like the end of the world it just did put a damper on like some of the evenings (laughs) you know what if a if a tree falls in the forest will someone report it for a noise violation (laughs) Uh, in that campsite probably yeah yeah But otherwise, it was fun. We did some boating. We did some kayaking, a little bit of fishing. Didn't end up catching anything, but it was, yeah, it was overall a very fun time. Uh, Glad to do it, but I was very happy to get back when we did. And my tibble is that I got sick while I was camping. I I don't know if it was just sleeping out in the rain for four days or getting too much sunlight, because I've read that that can be a thing, like too much sunlight out of nowhere can cause you to get sick. But in any case, I got a head cold. We had to push off uh, the recording for this episode, and I generally just wasn't feeling great all week, like from Monday to basically Friday, like the the whole business week. I wasn't feeling great, and I'm kind of in a slump right now, like just not feeling myself. I, I'm not really sure what to sub, what to describe it as or what to subscribe a cause to for that but you know everybody goes through their ups and downs i think i'm kind of in a down right now and hopefully uh, that doesn't last too long cuz you know that's never fun
1: yeah hopefully not uh, i'm sure you'll be back on your feet soon enough and plus like just being sick kind of brings you into that kind of mentality as a whole uh I, maybe i recommend uh chugging coffee
0: <laughs> yeah that's that's my usual go to i actually funnily enough i don't drink coffee when i'm sick that's probably for the best. Yeah, I switched to tea because for some, I coffee just doesn't work well with us with like a scratchy throat. It, it just never, mm. it doesn't go down as easily. It, it kind of like exacerbates a scratchy throat. Whereas tea is nice and smooth, and it just goes down. So, True. been been True. Uh, probably drinking far too much mint tea this week, but that's okay.
1: Well, there is another option. Uh, you could hit up the Phyrexians and ask them to complete you, and then you won't have to worry about nonsense bodily ills anymore
0: that's true and it sounds like the way things are going i'll have that opportunity
1: but <laughs> they're coming i don't, I don't know coming, what plane yeah. they're going to
0: show up on but uh, they're coming sometime let me just hit that speed dial for jingataxis and uh, we'll we'll <laughs> figure it all out yeah you, you would want to play with an increased
1: hand size huh <laughs> let's hit up our listener question for this week so we got one from dorigan who asks rather says you're invited to bring your own packs to chaos draft
0: with people. You don't really know what three different packs do you bring? Yeah. This is a fantastic question and caused me to think about it a little bit because chaos draft is a beast of its own. It's very unique in that. Uh, and and if you listening, didn't know what a chaos draft is, essentially you show up with a bunch of different packs, right? And everybody drafts with different packs and it's chaos. You, synergies tend to be pretty hard to put together. You usually want to draft like more of a cab style deck. You just, Grab the creatures that do the thing and not worry about synergy at all because it's pretty difficult to put synergy together across sets. So you have no idea what you're drafting.
1: The more complexity of the set, the the harder it becomes to put together a cohesive deck because uh, everybody else is also doing like random packs, right? Right. So you never know what you're gonna see. Somebody might have like Modern Horizons pack, so they might open like a 30 dollar card, and then you might, I don't know. Who knows? You, you could open Strixhaven, which doesn't yeah. admittedly have too much you know value in it. So you, you never know. Uh, you, you, like Zach said, you want to tend to go for packs that are a bit more, I guess, flat power level, not, not too build aroundy.
0: Yeah, I mean, a lot of times when you do a Chaos Draft, you don't have a say in what packs show up. Like you just you just get what you get. And in this case, we're bringing our own. I think ideally, if you could bring your own three packs to a Chaos Draft and you wanted to have a cohesive draft that actually worked, you'd probably bring like three core sets. That are relatively Mm -hmm. similar to each other because Cav style decks are generally pretty easy to put together in those sorts of formats. But that said, drafting is something that we enjoy a lot. There are a lot of formats in the past that were really awesome for various reasons. There are a lot of cards that we like from various formats for various reasons. So I I really took this question as an opportunity to kind of think back on formats that I've had a lot of fun with. Uh, So for me, I'm bringing Return to Ravnica. Because that's my favorite set of all time. Naturally. It gets me back to a plane that I like a lot. It's a set that I admittedly didn't get to draft much, uh, Return to Ravnica. I was kind of out of limited at the time, but it was a fantastic set overall. There are a lot of cool cards. My favorite card ever printed, Sphinx's Revelation, is in that set. Uh, There are a number of other really awesome ones, Supreme Verdict and things like that, that are really sweet, that I would love to open in a draft. And you have some pretty cool Planeswalkers to play with. Jace, Architect of Thought, I think, is in Ravnica. So, got some cool stuff going on there. My second pack that I'd bring is Cons of Tarkir because it's generally accepted as the best, if not now, probably still top five best limited formats ever. One pack Mm -hmm. of it isn't going to really get you there, and... You know, you could say that I'm adding far too much complexity into my set of packs by bringing cons in, but cons was like one of the first very successful sets that handled wedges well, uh, where you could draft three colors, and it was a lot of fun to do so. And so in this case, I think having a pack of cons maybe would give you some support for multicolored stuff uh, that you wouldn't otherwise get. And then my third pack is actually Commander Legends, because I thought it was super fun. Hmm. It's it's tangential to the format that I like the most outside of Limited, and so... Uh, It kind of brings both worlds together, and I think it's also chaotic enough in itself to make a pretty fun uh, chaos draft pack. Wasn't mana drain in that set? Commander Legends, it was. I actually opened one. Yeah, I see what you're doing here. (laughs) You're you're
1: not slick. I see what you 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 built like a trying to get like the good blue white cards, and then the good Jeskai cards, and then a mana drain. (laughs)
0: Look, I'm not gonna say I didn't think of that, but now that you mention it. (laughs)
1: <laughs> Sounds yeah, okay. pretty great. Well, uh, I think my want my first pack to be Ikoria. Now, this is a bit of a weird idea, but Ikoria has a lot of really fun first picks, notably companions. Now, even though they've been nerfed a bit, companions are still really fun and limited. When you pack one, pick one, a Lutri or something, that would actually be really good in Chaos Draft, but even pack one, pick one, something like Giganta. It's a really interesting challenge that, that that just gets added on to have to uh, warp your drafting a little bit it's almost like a, a stipulation draft it is a stipulation draft and the payoff is you get a cool card So like imagine just like if you're doing a chaos draft pack one pick one yorian and then you get to take like etb or, or leaves of battlefield effects from a bunch of different sets i think that'd be a pretty cool thing to do uh, next up i went conspiracy because it is it just adds a bit of fun to the draft process itself there's cards that you reveal as you draft them or other nonsense stuff like that. There's conspiracies themselves, which are these kind of weird card type uh, that do weird things and just kind of make a limited environment a little more interesting. And then finally Innistrad, because I don't know, value.
0: <laughs> value. You and Innistrad have a very lengthy relationship and value is not one of the things, the components okay, of okay, that relationship.
1: Okay. <laughs> but hear me out. This might be me using slightly results-oriented thinking once, there was one Chaos Draft, my favorite Chaos Draft of all time, where my pack one pick one was Lily of the Veil, just straight out of the pack from Innistrad. And it was awesome. And I ended up playing Black Green and uh, <laughs> just playing a casual turn three Lily a bunch of times. to, And, and to, honestly, just seeing my, the looks on my opponent's face made it well worth it. Uh, I, I've still got that Lily. So Plus, there's plenty of other awesome stuff going on in Innistrad. That's fair. But yeah, awesome question, Dorgan. Love it. Let us know what you all think. Uh, you'd want your three chaos packs to be in, in our Discord. Uh, like, comment, and subscribe. Oh, if you would,
0: you would choose any Look, of the packs, you can't even make pick, that joke right? anymore because we put these on YouTube now. So oh. it's like you're actually fishing for likes, comments, and and subscriptions.
1: Okay, don't don't do it. Don't actually do that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to seem like a like a. I don't know. What's the, what's the name for a content creator that like begs for uh, like support? A shill? Maybe I don't. I don't know. I have no idea. That's right. We want we want to earn your support the old fashioned way with our one hundred
0: percent accurate, always factual, n- never incorrect takes on limited. Right. Yeah. We totally take ourselves super seriously and do our best to be absolutely better than everybody in this area. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Along those lines,
1: let's get to the the chunk of the, the main chunk of the show. So we actually have two main topics this week. It is the Strixhaven format, Farewell. But before that, we wanted to talk about our anniversary week. It's Monday. It's the anniversary week uh, starting point. So I guess the fact that we had to push back recording and have our episode a little later kind of worked out in a weird way. Maybe we'll do this next year, too. Uh, write down on your calendar to get sick at the same time next year if you can. No, uh, no. And then <laughs> it'll work out. So... Uh, today we actually have a big announcement, and every other day this week we're going to have a big giveaway. So stay tuned, like Zach mentioned, stay tuned, uh, check out the Twitter or the Discord. Uh, for every single day this week, there will be a giveaway, and you will see how to enter those giveaways every day this week. We're, we're going to hype up the whole anniversary thing next week, but, I mean, we did it. We made it the year, so we figured we would kind of celebrate with a bunch of nonsense.
0: Yeah, and the big announcement to start to kick that whole thing off is... We've got merchandise. We have a store. Hey. There's like a real place you can go on the internet to buy DraftChaff merchandise and that place is DraftChaff.com. We made it as simple as we possibly could. Head over to DraftChaff.com. You'll get things like shirts, drinkware. We've got a, a cool pint glass with our logo on it thanks to to MinMan in the Discord and one of our patrons who uh, mm. gave us that idea which was super cool. We've got things like hoodies oh, yeah. and masks and a whole bunch of other nonsense so if you're interested in getting any sorts of DraftChaff merchandise, apparel, whatever, hit up DraftChaff.com. But that's not the biggest part of this announcement. At least I don't think to us that's that's not really the biggest part. The biggest part <laughs> is for the entire week of our anniversary. So from, uh, let's see, today, which the, the day this is airing, which was uh, June 21st through June 25th of 2021, all proceeds that we get, every single penny that we earn from that store is going to be donated to Extra Life a uh, charity organization, which is a charity that a lot of gaming content creators work with. And from their own FAQ, they describe themselves uh, as such. Basically, they say that the money that is raised through extra life goes directly to a chosen children's miracle network hospital as quote unquote, unrestricted funds. This means that the hospital gets to decide where and how they spend that money to make sure that the, the money that, it, that you earn for them is uh, going to make the biggest impact in the lives of the kids that they treat. For example, the money you raise might go to fund research and training purchase life-saving equipment, and pay for uncompensated care for those who can't afford to, to, to pay for it. So really, it's focused on on helping kids get healthy and be as comfortable as possible in hospitals and things of that nature. So great cause. We're really excited to donate what we can there. So definitely check out draftjaft.com to pick up your merchandise. And like I said, every penny from that for this week is going to uh, Extra Life. So help us help them help others.
1: Yeah, something like that. Again, a uh, great cause, and we're excited to see how much we can raise. Doing doing a little bit of good for the, I guess, kind of tangential to the gaming community. The other co- bigger content creators have worked with Extra Life in the past, and, and we thought it'd be nice to do a little thing of, of our own, especially to celebrate the, the fact that we made it a year. So um, anyway, besides that, for the other giveaway things this week, like I we mentioned, stay tuned. They're kind of going to increase in scale as the days go on. A, a, a little hint it might be a card of value being given away tomorrow. And then as we go higher up, we might get some more uh, uh, more exclusive and, and unique types of merchandise, perhaps culminating with something that I don't think will ever be available again. In fact, there will probably be only three of them ever made. <laughs> and it'll be one for Zach, one for me, and one for the winner.
0: <laughs> yep, basically. So, uh, also, one thing we didn't have the opportunity to mention on last week's episode that I just wanted to throw in here as a nice little aside before we do- jump back into the Strixhaven format, Farewell. If you didn't catch it, uh, we we blasted it on Twitter and in our Discord, but we're now sort of affiliated with Cardsphere. We're writing articles for them. So uh, Ben's first article went up with them last week, uh, and you can check that out. It's all on Vector Theory, which you might know from our episode on the topic. Um, it's a cool new uh, card and archetype evaluation theory that, that Ben kind of spearheaded wrote a pretty sweet article on, and then there should be follow-ups coming, so definitely check that out. Cardsphere.com uh, has a pretty cool trading mechanism through which you can facilitate trading cards, and also some great articles and content over there as well, so yeah, that's it. On to our format farewell. Right, so this
1: is our typical end of the format show, where we kind of reminisce about the format a little bit, what we liked, what we didn't like, everything in between, and we do this by giving away the Chaffee Awards. So it's time for the Strixhaven edition of the Chaffees. It's kind of like the Oscars, uh, except it's not. So if we start off with the most powerful card of the set, what was that?
0: So I think there were only really a few nominees here, right? It wasn't very close, I don't think, on power level. For me, it was between Blot Out the Sky and Mascot Exhibition, and Mascot Exhibition just took the cake.
1: Oh, are you sure it wasn't uh, Channel?
0: yeah pretty sure that unfortunately this is a format where <laughs> a, you can't channel anything massive so
1: <laughs> yeah yeah i, I also put a uh, mascot exhibition i think mizix's master is up there too but yeah it, it's kind of those those big three yeah mascot exhibition takes the cake though if you have a mascot exhibition in your deck you just feel like king of the world it, it's hard to go wrong if as long as you have enough learn cards uh in fact one time i main decked a mascot exhibition in a draft where i had pack one picked one and then i didn't see i saw like one learn card and I, it was a first day of class which i i wasn't in red so i main decked it and you know what it was still really good
0: <laughs> yeah here's the thing once you have one mascot exhibition it's not hard to get more than one because biblioplex assistant wheels pretty regularly and <laughs> B- biblioplex assistant Man. was put in this set for cards like Mas- mascot exhibition like that is what you want to be doing with your biblioplex assistance.
1: Yeah, totally true. Or pillar drop warden too, right? If you can cast one max mascot exhibition, you're going to win the game uh, most of the time. If you can cast the second one, then uh, sorry opponent, it's lights out.
0: So, how about the most annoying card in the format? What's your chaffy for this? So, the chaffy for most annoying card for me goes to iTwitch. And it's not because iTwitch <laughs> is like an overwhelmingly powerful card or something that, you know, beats you down until you can't deal with it anymore or it's extremely difficult to deal with in the first place. It's annoying to me because it's a card that wears power-ups very well, it wears buffs very well, and it's a card that you don't actually ever want to kill, because when mm. it dies, they learn, so they're basically drawing a good card, drawing a card that they, they want to draw, and it just feels awful. It's always a card that I see on the end, of, the other end of the battlefield, and I'm like, man, I don't want to kill this now, but I know if I don't, they're going to buff it, they're going to get in for a bunch of damage, it's probably just better for me if they take the their card that they're going to learn, they they get that lesson, and then that's it. But it feels awful.
1: Mm-hmm. It's almost that death touch effect, like when, when someone attacks with a 1-1 one, one death toucher. It's like, well, I don't really want to make this trade because then I it, it like takes up my creature, right? And I don't want to lose any of these. I guess the card is kind of on the other end. Instead of you going down a good creature, it's them potentially going up something good, maybe even a mascot exhibition.
0: It's it's funny you mention that because my runner-up was Needlethorn Drake. Which is exactly oh, yeah. the
1: same, you know, exactly the, the scenario that you just described. Yeah. My most annoying card was Killian Ink Duelist. This thing just, it always comes down on turn two for my opponent. And it never seemed to for me. <laughs> and they always seem to have, like, the gods willing to save it. Or, like, you you would try to kill it. It would just never work. And then it would smack you for, like, four after it got essence infused or something. And... Uh, then they'd have like a reflective golem and then just kind of pop off. Killian just kind of snowballed so quickly and effectively, and it kind of felt like it invalidated a lot of good starts that you could have if you didn't have that crucial, like, first or sometimes even second removal spell for it.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a pretty difficult card to deal with in most scenarios, so I totally get that. Next up, we have Best Jank. What's your, what's your chaffy for Best Jank?
1: Ooh, I actually have two here Reflective Golem as a card, just on its own, is one. This card, this is the one that, that copies instants and sorceries uh, that, that target it. So if you can, say, I don't know, essence infuse it, and essence infuse it on that, and then copy that, have it go to something else. So a pretty common play pattern would be two-drop, reflective golem, essence infusion, copy on the two-drop and, and the golem, and you just swing for, like, eight-ish points of life-linking damage, and your creatures all have, like, both of them are up to, like, four power and at least four toughness. So, pretty sweet thing to do. Also, Biblioplex Assistant and Infuse with Vitality is <laughs> kind of a, a a nice little infinite blocker there, slash life gain, slash... I mean, it's just kind of a good engine to to have in your deck because it can help you survive the late game against some of the more, uh, I guess, resilient beater decks. Some like the white decks that can just keep bringing threats back from the graveyard. This keeps you kind of in the loop. Notably, it's not a very good way to win a game of Magic, but it's a great way to not lose.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. This This format does seem to have a lot of if-you-can't-deal-with-the-flyer that I just played-you-lose scenarios, and Assistant blocks those pretty well. So, For me, it was also Biblioplex Assistant. Uh, it was a card hmm. that originally I thought was going to be pretty bad and isn't great, but does have a lot of good uses, uh, especially in a hmm. format that cares so much about big spells, and there are actually quite frequently a number of things that you're willing to buy back from your graveyard with a Biblioplex Assistant. And as I mentioned above, the ceiling really kind of being mascot exhibition, which you know anybody would, would really take in a heartbeat, I would think, in this format. So yeah, Biblioplex Assistant has a lot of fun shenanigans you can get going with it.
1: I, uh, I made a joke earlier today in the Discord that Gitu Chronicler, a card from Dominaria, is kind of like a Snapcaster Mage. I would like to take that back and say that actually, BiblioPlex Assistant is more like a Snapcaster page.
0: (laughs) Okay, all right, all right. Settle down, settle down. (laughs) Next up, we have the the Chaffy Award for Chaffiest Chaff. And to differentiate this from best jank, these are, Chaffiest Chaff are cards that were just plain awful. Like cards that you never wanted to see play in any decks and even in limited, just didn't get there.
1: Mm -hmm. You know, I've been thinking we should have another what is draft chaff type episode thinking way back that was one of our very first but this fits what I define to be chaff pretty well because we actually picked a cycle of rares Uh, and that's the mastery cycle. I guess the blue one is a little bit playable. I've seen it do some work. You can draw cards with it, but the rest of them just stone cold. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Except for the black one. The black one is, is good. I take it back. The blue one and the black one are playable. The other ones are bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, this was a situation where we haven't, I don't think we've seen this in terms of like an entire cycle in quite a while, but yeah, like you said, pretty much all of them are unplayable and even the ones that are playable are often not cards that you're like excited to take. Like the blue one is passable, I think in a lot of scenarios, the rest are just like you never want them at all. Like you'd rather just let them get last picked or something. The
1: black one's good. I kind of forgot that that one existed because I've been a little bit underdrafting black this format. The teamer decks are just so good. But yeah, besides that, the white one, the board wipe that has like four white pips in it for some reason, the green one that like ramps you and your opponent, and the red one that's, what is it, like a... It's like a goblin lore thing, right? It it draws you, it tutors you cards, then you discard cards or something. Yeah, or it, yeah. It's it's some nonsense.
0: I don't know, but they they're all just so bad that... I frankly don't remember what most of them do. So, uh, you know, that's that's a bad sign when you're when rares yeah. in a set are unmemorable, um, except for the fact that they're bad. So, yeah, Master Cycle, Chaffiest Chaff.
1: Next up, we've got the most unexpected chaff. It looks like we got the same answer for this one again. It's Biomathematician. But This one, this one is surprising because the first few times I played with it, uh, I thought it was fine. It seemed to be okay. And then the more we got into the format, the more it seem to just not hold its weight. Uh, the fact that it makes a 1-1 one, one is just, it's just too small, and you rarely get that value of putting the counters on the other fractals that you control. When it happened, it was pretty good. You might wind up with getting like 5 power and toughness from a 3-drop, and that's really good, but that usually only tended to happen in these board stalling matchups, which sometimes that just wouldn't happen. Uh, and yeah. sometimes it just wasn't enough
0: rate for a body. Agreed. Yeah. I think I think the biggest problem biomathematician had was its mana value. Like mm. typically if you wanted to curve out like a two drop into biomathematician, you weren't getting the extra value on fractals because it was pretty difficult to get a fractal out prior to turn 3 and if you did, yeah. it was only going to be one of them. So you'd maybe get one extra counter out of out of the biomathematician. So typically the play patterns with biomathematician were hold it until you had a bunch of fra- a bunch of other fractals out. And then play it, or draft infinite copies of it, and you have like eight or nine copies of biomathematician in your deck, if you're lucky, and you can kind of chain them together, and then they make each other better. And even then, it was still just like, okay, I've got a bunch of like tutus sitting around, and like my fractals get picked off or trade with other things, and none of them get to be massive. It's not like a um, the leyline invocation where you can just make a big one off the bat. So, but it, but it was unexpected because a lot, I think I when I saw Biomathematician in the spoiler, I was thinking, oh, this is a card. There are a lot of other fractal support cards. This seems to be a card that's going to be doing really well. And like you said, the first few, f- few drafts of the format, the first week or so, it did seem to be performing okay, but then it did fall off a cliff, so it seemed. And it's kind of unfortunate because I actually like the card a lot. Yeah, it's kind of strange.
1: Typically when we see cards that are like this, uh, the archetypal three-drop that has somewhere between 2 and 3 power and toughness, and makes a 1-1 one, one of some type. Those cards are usually some of the better cards in the set. In Ikoria, the black one was a, a really key component of the black-white humans deck. But in this case, it just kind of underperformed. Uh, compare this to Quandrix Pledge Mage. Just not even close. I'd take 10 plages, Pledge Mages before I want my first Biomathematician.
0: Yeah, agreed. It's just, it just fell flat, unfortunately.
1: And uh, funnily enough, we've got another... Same chaffy award from both of us in our top drafted common. What's this one?
0: Yeah, so this is a new new chaffy we added with Strixhaven. Given all the 17 Lands data that we have access to, we figured it'd be fun to kind of incorporate that a little bit. So this comes from directly from our 17 lands data. For Ben and I, our top drafted common of Strixhaven was Field Trip. Not surprising. Yeah. It's a fantastic <laughs> card. It's one of the best learned cards at it ramps. It's in one of the best colors in the set. Yeah, not, not surprising at all. Draws you a card. Puts an extra land in the play sounds pretty
1: on brand for 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 us. Kind of yeah. splits us down the middle, right? You like putting the or like I like putting the lands in the play. You like drawing the cards, so I guess it makes sense that we wound up kind of yep. both gravitating towards this.
0: So next up, we have worst bad card to lose to. What you got?
1: I'm laughing at yours. Yours is a good one. <laughs> you, you you go first. All
0: right. Well, I put this here because I have actually lost to this card once, and it was a it was a situation where. They were already beating me down a lot, so like I was going to die without the without the card anyway. But my my chaffy for worst bad card to lose to goes to Strixhaven Stadium. Yeah, it's just awful. <laughs> really it's just funny. stupid. Oh, I, I remember trying to make this one work. I couldn't get it to work
1: uh, because like how does unless you're like gaining a ton of unless your opponent's gaining a ton of life? How does how do you not just kill them before this? I, I don't know. I I never got uh, it. I guess yeah, the one that funny. I put. Mana Chaffee is kind of similar in that it involves kind of like a go wide attacking problem. Tenured Inkcaster, which I have found to just be abysmal on rate. A five mana 2 2 that does a thing. When this thing gets shocked or, or something like that, it just feels disgusting. It, it, it's embarrassing <laughs> when like a one drop or two drop removal spell answers your five drop. Like I would take. Uh, almost, and I'd take a vanilla 5-5 five five over this. In fact, there there are some vanilla five-fives in the set. I would take any of those and put them in over tenured Inkcaster, but I don't know, this, this thing, every once in a while, my opponents would just happen to have a draw that had, like, creature with counters, creature with counters, creature with counters, Inkcaster swing, drain you out. And then it's like, alright, well, guess there wasn't anything I was going to do about that one, huh?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I was kind of high on the Incaster for a little while because the the black-white decks that really get there can really leverage it quite effectively. But you're right, when when your mm-hmm. opponent spends one or two mana to get rid of your five-mana creature, it's just like, um, okay. I mean, this was kind of the same thing we saw being a problem with the Shadewing Laureate, where it's like mm-hmm. they don't have to target any of your other flyers; They can just target the Laureate, and, and then that's it. And it doesn't actually do anything for its extra cost. But yeah, I see where you're coming from with that.
1: I guess we should also add in like a... We should add in like a biggest miss, Chaffee. Oh, that's a, that's our, a good idea. Our biggest miss would probably be the entire archetype of Silver Quill.
0: <laughs> yeah, we should add that. I'm going to make a note to add that. For now.
1: I Sometimes I still don't understand why the decks are so good. Like it, it, when you're playing them, you, you get it. It's like, okay, I played this one drop and I played this two drop. I played this three drop and learn is just so powerful. It takes these admittedly pretty bad and dorky looking cards... And makes them solid attackers. But like on paper, you know, when you look at a trophy deck and sometimes you can just see like, oh my God, this thing, this is clearly like a 7-0 list.
0: Like two mascot exhibitions in a sealed pool. And yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. Like that. Sometimes I look at 7-0 Silver Quill lists and I'm like, how? <laughs> I'm like, how did this happen? And because like there's, there's like guiding voices and that card Way better than we we gave it. In fact, if I had to pick a single card that we probably underestimated the most, it was probably Guiding Voice. That'd, that'd be my pick for myself.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. It, it took a little while for me to actually come around on Guiding Voice and realize, like, oh, a counter and learn is actually really good in this format for one mana. Like, that's a real thing that you can be doing.
1: Yeah, it just it feels so weird. It's just such a strange aggro deck that I think it didn't really fit my my mental hypothesis of what aggro decks should look like. Mm because of the fact that you're learning these creatures and then you're playing those creatures and attacking with those creatures. Sometimes the decks just don't really look like aggro decks. They, they look a little bit like thin ar- around the edges, if that makes sense.
0: I don't know. I think as well, one of the biggest things that the, the uh, Silverquill decks had going for them was just the overwhelming amount of flyers they could produce. Yeah. Most decks in this format can't deal with flyers. Like There are very few answers to flyers in this format. And the Silver Quill decks that can put them all together really get there.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter how big your Fractal is. It doesn't have reach, exactly. then.
0: <laughs> it exactly. doesn't matter.
1: So next up is our pet card. Now, notably, this is different than the card that we want to have as a pet. This is our pet card, uh, which I, I found kind of difficult this set. Well, we'll talk about that when we get to the actual most one to be a pet. What was your pet card for the set?
0: So pet card for me was Frost Trickster. I mean, just slapping flying on a Frost Lynx is like a great way to make me happy and... <laughs> it actually underperformed for me in this format. I think it was worse off than I originally anticipated it being, but it was a seriously fun card, and I just can't can't pass up the opportunity to say that I love a frost trickster. Yeah,
1: sure. my shaffy goes to a freak flame painter. I don't think I passed one of these. Like they, it's just so much fun. The play patterns with the freak flame painter are ridiculous i it, it's just i mean just do it just play it it's it's fun it's really fun i want to put it in the cube <laughs> i don't know anything else to say about it uh getting to realize that you can do so many little combat things you have to kind of take a pause on turn five before you swing in with it and say all right what exactly can i do here if you have something like igneous inspiration in your graveyard you have to go like okay so i can swing in i can give it trample and that'll deal with the first damage, which will let me snap cast my Igneous Inspiration. But then up from that, I'll learn, say, like, I don't know, it's some other thing. And then I'll use that as a combat trick when I do it the second time. But then I'll do that on the stack. And then it just becomes this nightmare. And it usually ends with your opponent having an empty board and you having like a flame planer and a few three twos or something. So I highly recommend. Definitely my pet card of the format.
0: Yeah, it's a really solid one. Definitely up there for me as well. I don't think I got the chance to play it, play with it as much as you did. I have played it a few times, but it was always extremely fun when I did. Next up is our Chaffee for most disappointing archetype. What you got? I want to start by saying Cody. I tried Cody
1: decks. Look, I'm, I'm not like a spell slinger type of person. I tried Cody several times in decks that I thought should have been solid Cody build-arounds. I think maybe I tried going too deep or... Like, I had a good number of summonings that I was even playing in the main deck just to work well with Cody, so I had my creature count up. I just never really got it to work, and uh, when when you don't draw the Cody, it just ends up being embarrassing. Uh, You're playing, like, Curate, and your opponent's going, like, two-drop, three-drop combat tricks. And uh, I also want to say the hidden archetypes. Green-white, blue-black. I know they're out there. I never got to draft them. They never felt like they came together quite right. Uh, sometimes I'd start down the road to play one of them, but then I would just pick up a good multicolored card and I'd get right back on track
0: with one of the main colleges. So did you ever get the hidden ones to work? To be quite honest with you, I'd never really tried going for any of them. The only one I quote unquote tried for, and I say it with quotes because it's kind of hard to try for until you get the thing is Cody. Like I had tried to make, I had, I had hoped to make Cody decks but I never opened a Cody or got past a Cody. So it just didn't, I've never done that. But Mm. the like green white, especially after seeing LSV draft, that ridiculous green white deck on stream, (laughs) I really wanted to put together, but I, it just never came together for me. Sam Black touted the Demir decks quite a bit. And I, a never really understood that they were Demir decks. Like every time I've seen a screenshot of somebody saying like, Hey, I'm playing Demir. It never looked like Demir to me. Yeah. So I didn't really understand. I, I should go back and listen to the episode that, that Sam Black did on his podcast um, of the Demir deck, and just kind of understand better what they're talking about when it comes to Demir decks, because I didn't really understand what that meant. But yeah, I never put them together. That said, I saw plenty of versions of them that seemed to work, so I wouldn't. That's why for me they they weren't disappointing. I just was never able to to find the lane to get into to to make them work. Fair. So for me, my most disappointing archetype is Lorehold. Hmm. I feel like there were two different ways to build Lorehold hold in this format and none of them were exceptional. <laughs> like one of them was like hyper aggro and you could actually go pretty low to the ground and just beat your opponent up. Most of them ended up being mostly mono white with like a bunch of tricks and using cards like, you know, a bunch of the combat tricks that you could just like, pump the uh, Lumamancer out of nowhere and just be like kill your opponent on turn three or four or whatever. And then the other side of things was the, the graveyard shenanigans build and those fell flat a lot of time for me like you needed a lot of pieces to go to go right and you needed to pick up a lot of things in the draft to make those decks actually work well and they're typically pretty difficult to put together and like even when you got the quintorius and and like the pass caller and all the different pieces that you actually wanted a lot of times they just didn't play out super great so i don't know Lorehold fell flat for me
1: yeah it's a shame i know you're excited for it i I liked seeing the design space that they did and when when quintorius worked it was really sweet but sometimes you play Quintorius, they untap, kill it. And you're like, oh, <laughs> now, now what do I do? I've I've got like three stone Rise spirits in my hand.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, I think I think it's a, an archetype that could have worked pretty well in a different format or maybe if removal was slightly different or something. It was also pretty hard for the red, red, white decks to go above what the Quandrix decks were trying to do. And yeah. the Quandrix decks were very good at doing what they did. And so when, when your Lorehold deck was only kind of good at doing what it does, and it's not even a better game plan than what the Quandrix decks are doing, yeah, it just didn't, it didn't really work out well.
1: So how about our Chaffee for, <laughs> this is what I said was tough, the card you'd most want to have as a pet. A lot of the cards in this set weren't creatures. They were creature type, but they weren't like animals, so to yeah, speak. they're like sentient <laughs> beings. Yeah, even some of the, like, Ifrit's. I don't think you could have a pet Ifrit. That raises no, some totally ethical problems. they're totally people. Yeah, so. Yeah,
0: they're like totally people.
1: <laughs> so, anyway, it's like it a little bit of struggling, but I ended up settling on Moldering Karak. Having a nice zombie crocodile as a pet would be pretty cool.
0: Yeah, that sounds terrifying to me. I decided <laughs> to go for Campus Guide. Just having oh. like that, that cute little automaton running around. He apparently knows a bunch of stuff because he can guide people throughout the campus. That'd be pretty cool. You know, when I think of Campus Guide, I think of Ralph from Spy Kids. You know the little like robot <laughs> insect thing that that yeah. Judy always had? I as a kid like in middle school and stuff, my one of my life goals was to build my own like Ralph. Like I wanted a little robot that was that little insect thing that could climb around and be autonomous and all that kind of stuff. What was and the what was this
1: dog? Who was the dog from Jimmy Neutron? Like Goddard. Act?
0: Goddard. Goddard, yeah. Yeah. Goddard.
1: Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, very similar. Except <laughs> I don't know if
0: you Goddard seen has rockets. This-
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, clearly you've never souped up a, uh, a campus guide with like a bunch of 1-1 counters and, and gone to town like a sparring re- campus guide in a sparring regimen. Uh, that's like putting rockets on it. But there you go. Uh, have you seen that Twitter account? I think it's called like Judge Rulings Illustrated. I have not. It's something like that. I'll, I'll have to try to find it and I'll link it in the discord. But uh, they they do like these little cute sketches of magic card interactions. Uh, and one of them that I saw today, it was Campus Guide plus Waste. So they they take like two pictures and just put them there. And in the little sketch, it was a Campus Guide. And he, and he was like, he was like beaming, like giving a thumbs up or something. And there was a student who looked terrified as like a giant Eldrazi is like kind of looking at them confused. And then the, the Campus Guide's like, yep, did my job. <laughs> so this is yeah, a few other good one. Yeah, ones it looks look about,
0: sounds about right. How so about cards you never cast? Yeah, there's actually a long list of cards I didn't cast in this format. I think I only got maybe like a couple dozen drafts in in this format. So it was not one of my like higher drafted formats. But some of the notable ones, mascot exhibition, never drafted a copy. Man. Professor of Symbology, our very own draft draft hero, never drafted a copy of that card. Tsk, Wandering Archaic is another one that I'm sad to say I never drafted.
1: Yeah, Archaic okay, was sweet. Thankfully, I've drafted enough uh, Professors of Symbology for both of us, I think. Mascot Exhibition, I only see every once in a while. I never cast most of the Masteries. I never cast Semester's End, which was a shame. That's the kind of, like, mass blink effect. There just weren't that many good ETBs that I, I felt like building around. Also, it doesn't pair too well with Tokens, of which there are plenty in this set. Detention Vortex, I don't think anybody ever cast this one. I never seen I never saw it cast once. Secret Rendezvous. You know, they tried to give away card draw, (laughs) but didn't go too well. And Excavated Wall, I was never that strapped for playables where I had to put one of those junky artifact walls in, so thankfully.
0: All right, and last but not least, one of our more exciting questions here. We seem to do this with every set. We've got some form of this question, but it changes set to set. So the question is, would you rather every opponent you face in Strixhaven for the rest of your life have a mascot exhibition? Or eat broken glass, and basically, this question is asking <laughs> how much would you like to continue playing this format? Like, if your choice was you can play Strixhaven, but every opponent you have, every opponent you face, will have mascot exhibition, or you could not play Strixhaven and eat broken glass instead, or something. I don't really know how to phrase this question, but okay,
1: okay well, well, yeah, yeah. So that, that that's about it. So, or you eat broken glass, and then your your opponents have mascot exhibition at a normal rate.
0: Yeah, you just like don't have to draft the format anymore if you don't want to, kind of thing. Well,
1: or or that. No, so you so, like you could keep playing Strixhaven as normal and uh, if you eat the broken glass.
0: <laughs> sure. Okay. This is a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah, typically this for this question is is formatted such that it's like how much do I actually want to continue playing the format and We tend to say like something involving broken glass or something else. Like if something terrible happened, but you still like the format enough. Anyway, what's your answer?
1: I think I would prefer my opponents to all have mascot exhibitions. I think it's a fantastic card. It can be beaten. Like it's not a dream trawler or something. You can beat mascot exhibition. The fact that you get it so consistently makes it fantastic. The fact that like you can uh, kind of tutor for this bomb in your deck means it's amazing. Uh, it's not like Blue-White with Dream Trawler where every once in a while you just won't draw the Dream Trawler and you have kind of a crappy Blue-White deck. But Mascot Exhibition can be beaten, but maybe every once in a while I'd, I'd have a nice glass snack so that way I could play a few games with no Mascot Exhibitions back to normal. But I don't mind it. I think it's just part of the format. It's a quirk of the format. Those Counterspells, Negate is like pretty much main deckable. Test of Talents is pretty much main deckable. It's fine. I'll take it.
0: Yeah, I, I'm kind of somewhere in the middle of the spectrum there as well. Like, maybe eat a little bit of glass and play against the occasional mascot exhibition, keep the rates kind of about even, somewhere in the middle there. I, I think, as far as like what I think, and we can kind of segue into our final thoughts on the format, I think mm-hmm. it was a pretty strong set. It was a very fun format. It felt pretty amazing at first with the way they handled the colleges, but it kind of lost my interest after, you know, a couple dozen drafts. I don't know if that was because the format went stale, in my opinion. Or if it's just because there were better options, like the cube came back, we got Dom, we got, you know, there was beyond death. So so other formats came out and it was easier to kind of play something pseudo new. I don't know if that's the cause or if it's just that the format went stale, but I did kind of lose interest in it shortly after it came out. It's definitely a set that I wouldn't mind coming back to and it did offer up a handful of those hidden archetypes that we were talking about before that I haven't had the chance to draft, so for those alone I would be interested in getting my hands on the format again once it rotates out and just try to get those back and I can imagine you know, a year from now when this set rotates back into Premier Draft that a lot of folks are going to forget that hey, the Cody deck was a thing or this mm-hmm. Demir deck or these the Selesnia decks were possible to put together and it might be pretty easy to get them then. We'll see, but I'm excited to see what what, what the format looks like when it comes back, I guess.
1: Yeah, I, I mostly agree. I think this is a pretty fantastic set overall. I think it was very rewarding, given that multicolored sets tend to be when you find your lane quickly and are able to kind of balance your own personal draft skills in there, which is something that I think we like to do. When you recognize uh, a signal and you pick up on it and you move into a color, maybe abandoning a strong first pick, but then pack three, you just get rewarded for it with like rare after rare... It feels pretty great. Like, you feel like you did it. And I think this set really played into that because signals were slightly easier to read than normal, given some of the multicolored sets. I also kind of felt the same way as you, where I stopped drafting it for a bit. Just because there were better options, I drafted the heck out of Cube, uh, and now Theros. And now Dom is back, and Dom is just, uh, as as people in the Discord were calling it, boomer magic. (laughs) If you like vanilla creatures, boy, have I got a set for you. But... And vanilla creatures with the occasional nonsense in between, which I, I find pretty entertaining. So uh, I think I would be happy to go back to the set in a little bit, plus a beautiful mix of flavor and function and good gameplay. The the flavor town episode for this was just a lot of fun because of all the nonsense in it. And also, there were an, a, an awful lot of like useful, good cards. It was kind of a struggle to find cards that I had never cast, and I've done a ton of drafts this format. I should go check on many. But... Cards that I never cast tended to be ones that were just like stone cold unplayable. Most of the playable cards were pretty okay,
0: yeah, agreed it was it was a set that of that allowed for a lot more playables, I think than usual, and we had a lot more multicolored stuff, so I think that's probably why you're seeing like it being extra forgiving in terms of you know the typical quote unquote guild set, but yeah, it was totally fun and uh, excited to see see it come back at some point. Like, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed Strixie. Oh my gosh. Well, that about does it for us. Thank you so much for sticking it out and getting through all the chaffies with us. Of course, check out the Discord. This week especially, you're not going to want to miss the giveaways we're doing, the announcements that we're doing. Again, check out DraftChaff.com to get all your merchandise for DraftChaff, all the proceeds this week from the 21st to the 25th of june are going to extra life so help us raise some money for that awesome cause as well and get yourself some cool merchandise in the process also if if there's merch there that you or if sorry if there's merch that isn't there that you wish were let us know we can work on getting some extra things added and we'll try to keep evolving what's available there as time progresses as well don't forget uh to send in those sweet questions for our anniversary mailbag episode in just a few days Get those to us by Monday, or sorry, by Wednesday, the 23rd of June, so we have time to incorporate them into the episode. We'll say by noon, Eastern Time. If you can get those in by then, that would be great. and We'll get those in the episode. It's going to be a fun episode. We're going to be reminiscing a bit and going through a lot of the history of the show. So, hope you can catch that one on Friday and we'll talk to you then. I think that's it for me.
1: Yeah. See you later, everybody. Okay, so, uh, I have a bit of, bit of nonsense here for, for the end. Um, this past week in school, things are kind of rounding down. So I wanted to do something a little more fun with my students, but not just like put on a movie. That's not really my style. Um, I like to do something a little more interactive. I'm bringing my Switch uh, next week, and I'm going to play Smash with my seniors. That's going to be a, a good time. Um, is it considered child abuse to just wreck your class in Smash?
0: I would say it's valuable lesson teaching. You know, like you're, you're teaching valuable lessons. So
1: mm-hmm. no, that that's true. I might switch to Mario Kart or like Jackbox games to, to kind of broaden the the spectrum for other students that maybe not as hardcore. I wouldn't even call myself that hardcore. I'm really out of practice at smash. Uh, they'll probably kick my butt. But anyway, uh, something that I did this past week that all my classes found, um, shockingly entertaining is tier lists. Uh, and everybody loves a good tier list, like a good ranking system. Absolutely. Um, So uh, I went through a few good ones. Uh, I went through like fast food, um, animated TV shows, uh, video games, apples. The apple tier list is a a fun one. But the one that I actually found to be the most contentious among my students uh, was pasta shapes. Interesting. So uh, I'd like to get a quick read. What is your, your S tier pasta
0: shape? That is not something I can answer in a vacuum. I actually, I suppose <laughs> I probably could, but the I'm a little bit of a foodie. I, I wouldn't say I'm like a massive foodie, but I love to cook. I like good food. For me, the, the type of pasta we're looking at, the shape of pasta we're looking at, very heavily depends on the dish that's being prepared. So if I wanted like a lasagna, I'm not using angel hair, obviously. Uh, mm. So, you know, I, I, I hesitate to answer that question in a vacuum.
1: Okay, well don't worry. I have something that I think will help. Uh, I'm actually pulling up the pasta tier list maker right now
0: so that we can do this properly. All and right. then maybe I can put this in the Discord later. All right, all right. Okay. So <laughs> You see it? You see it? I do see it. I do see it. This is all an right, interesting So we've got a good spread. Sign we've off got, here. <laughs> we've got a whole bunch of stuff. Now
1: I'm I'm just gonna do a a hot take right now. Uh, this calls it Jameli. I think I know it but I fear the names, but it's kinda like the the twisty um, they're almost like they're kind of thick strands. I just put that straight in F tier. I'm not a big fan at all.
0: Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. I think we can start here and go up that way. I think that's, that's fair. Um, I would say, so I can th- think of a few others that I have high up on the list, but I don't know exactly where, um, Tortellini's are up there for me. Uh, Fus- yeah. Fusili's up there for me. Cavatappi's I put up Tortellini, there
1: for me. I put Tortellini in S actually. It's I mean, an, an S tier. What, okay. what is what is out of out of yours? Like, we can make this a collaborative list. What are our, like, top, uh, like, absolute best of the best here? Okay, so like I said, I, also,
0: also, I don't think it's fair for gnocchi to be on this list. That's made of potato. It's not a pasta.
1: Okay, okay, yeah. We can leave gnocchi off.
0: So, um, in that regard, if we're not going to leave it off, it has to be by nature an F-tier pasta because it isn't pasta.
1: <laughs> Just irrelevant. <laughs> okay, uh, ooh, that I said... I really like Campanel. I don't, know. I don't, I don't eat Campanelle that often,
0: uh, so I don't really have a a, a steak on it, really. Um, now, for, ma- it for mac and cheese, I would say that fusilli or cavatappi are probably the best because they have a large surface area and a large section of space for the cheese to kind of get jumbled up in. I actually like them a lot better than macaroni for mac and cheese because there's more like I said more surface area for cheese to be collected. I agree. So that's I'd put like too silly probably an A. Yeah, fusilli as far as mac and cheese goes is like an S tier A tier for me uh with cavatappi probably shortly below, but You put it below? I put it above. It depends on the dish. It depends on the dish. I'm okay, fine with the, the, I'm fine best, with it being above. That's fine. They're pretty close. The best
1: part about these lists is that you don't have to say your metrics. So I I made one and I showed it to my students for uh, fast food, and they were furious. because They didn't understand <laughs> what my metrics are, and I didn't tell them. I just told That's them, hilarious. like, I'm not going to tell you the metrics. You figure it out.
0: Did they uh, figure it out? So, No. That's hilarious.
1: <laughs> or, or fruit was also a good one. I, I, um, I In some cases, it was like, uh, some of them was like, some of the tier lists were just like, best, at, like, best of the best. It's so like, when this thing is at its best, is it Like better than these things, but fruit Mm. I did like average because uh, I would say an average pineapple is much much worse than a like very good pineapple compared to some things like bananas which are always around the same range, low low
0: ceiling, low low floor so to speak. This is going to be our longest sign off ever. Uh, (laughs) What do you say, macaroni? C. I sure I'm not. I could leave give or take macaroni. I'm not a huge fan of it, but it's fine. It has its applications. Honestly. I see. I, See's okay. C's fine. Uh, I would right. put ravioli up at like the A slash S tier as well. I think that's one of the best pastas out there. Really? Yeah. Ooh, there's a ton you can a do with the ravioli. Idea.
1: But here's the problem: I find ravioli to be a little bit confused uh, compared to tortellini. It's 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 brethren uh, because tortellini is like clearly bite sized. Uh, even tortelloni's are still kind of yes. bite sized, depending on how big your bite is. Raviolis are almost never bite-sized unless you're eating like chef boyardee ravioli uh so you have to kind of like cut into it but then you're like it, it, it's trying to get sauce and you're trying to cut into it and are you eating it with like a spoon it, it's kind of weird it just no gets no you totally I, eat with I'd a fork at the highest.
0: all right i'm, I'm fine with the B. that's okay uh i would say linguine is probably up there as well it's one of the better like long thin pastas in my opinion I'd put it up in A or high yeah, B. Yeah, that's 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 fair. I'm I'm agreeing with that. Lasagna's Angel hair. Well, angel hair is also up there for me. I'd probably put it at like a B or C. Um because it is it is one of the go-to's for me. I don't tend to like thick long pastas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I prefer the thinner the thinner noodle as far as pasta goes in that way. Though, I guess I'd prefer like a normal spaghetti to an angel hair.
1: I find that it doesn't balance very well with other things if you're trying to like cut up like vegetables or, or meat to put in with it. Yeah. It just doesn't pair very well with anything. I, I'd i put this in probably like C or D.
0: Yeah, that's, that's, I'd say C is probably where it belongs. Um, Let's see. Lasagna. I do so, love some both. If her is really good. Lasagna is interesting because without an actual, like a full lasagna, lasagna noodles are useless. Nobody's using any lasagna noodles for anything <laughs> other than making lasagna. That's
1: true. Should, should we make like an irrelevant column and put gnocchi and lasagna in there?
0: I think they're both F's. <laughs>
1: that's not a valid pasta?
0: Because if you're looking at it, I mean, again, it very heavily depends on your metrics. But if you're looking at these as like standalone pastas that are only good by themselves, lasagna is okay, not so one of the high metric, tiers. Okay, okay. And, okay. and so, Yoki's but, not a pasta. So
1: there you have it. Fair enough. W- what about uh Bucatini? That's kind of like the thick noodles. I don't think those are very good. I'd put no, those in, like, I put I don't actually
0: think I've had much bu- Bucatini because I'm not a fan of it. Um so next up, I would say higher on the list, like probably in the B range, is penne. Like a good penne ala vodka is like amazing. You can do a lot yeah. with penne. So a baked, a baked, uh, um, a baked ziti like of a, some kind. Even though you know, I I usually use penne in my in my ZDs. Yeah, but, same. I I agree with that. What do you think of rigatoni? Uh, not a huge fan. I'd probably put it at like a D. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Uh, bow ties. Yeah, farfalle is probably a B. They're they're great, very applicable in most dishes. You can use them in just. About Sometimes
1: anywhere. a little hard to to get with your fork, though. Also One of my true. main metrics for pasta is like how easy it is to get with the fork. In fact, I had pinwheels as my very very top. I used a slightly different tier list for the last one. Pinwheels I had at the top of S. Interesting. Uh, but we got a few uh, left. How about spaghetti? Where spaghetti
0: I'd put in in like the B area. It's it's a pretty all-purpose pasta that uh you know is B, never baby. really bad to use in any kind yeah. of dish. I guess it'd be bad to make a lasagna with, but again, lasagna's lasagna. Uh we've got a few left here. These are kind of the uh we've got some oddballs remaining. We've got uh shells. Yeah, shells are probably a D for me. I've just never been a huge fan of them. I know they can collect like cheese and things, but or sauce or whatever, but eh.
1: Yeah, that's, that's like a, a metric that people use sometimes, but they're also like, you have to use a, like a spoon to eat those. They're almost impossible yeah, yeah, to, to get with a fork.
0: Yeah, you're talking about ra- uh, uh, farfalla being hard to, to pick up with a fork? <laughs> yeah, these are the worse. Shells are way worse.
1: Yeah. Stuffed shells, uh, like big shells. Yes. Those I would put higher. That's a
0: different story. Uh, yeah.
1: Up near ravioli, but that's not actually part of the list. So, um, what is this? Tagliatelle? It's kind of like yeah, a, they- like thick noodles.
0: Yeah, I guess it kind of looks like a fettuccine in the picture they're, they're showing there, and they don't actually yeah. have a fettuccine. They just have the linguine. Uh, i put this up by linguine. Like, yeah, I'd linguine put it up there, there as well. So uh, that's a, that's a thing. Like, for some, me, like the larger noodles are fine if they're flat, but the large round noodles just don't do it for me.
1: Yeah, it, it becomes just awkward to eat. Yeah. And then finally, some, some kind of stinkers down here. I don't even know what these are. Uh, no, I'm not familiar. Orichette and Rissoni. The risotto is almost like it almost resembles rice, uh, but like yeah. little tiny. This you could put in like a soup or something. But I'm gonna talk I'm tossing these yeah, two I think straight there. After, <laughs> uh, if we have any listeners in Italy, I'm sorry. <laughs> we do. We
0: do have a listen. At least one listener in Italy.
1: <laughs> oh no! Uh, please roast us in Discord for for butchering the names and probably disrespecting heritage and culture in the process. Exactly.